Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We are also live on AMP, so if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast feeds, don't forget that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. We are continuing our top 25 players the last 25 years today with number nine, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Also, off the top, continuing with our mailbag questions that we're hitting before each player, I had someone shoot me a direct message asking why... I have Michael Jordan over LeBron James all time, being the LeBron fan that I am. And I've never really taken the time to break that down. So we're going to hit that off the top, and then we'll get to Giannis. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. And last but not least, I do need mailbag questions for the next eight episodes at least and potentially forward, depending on how we like that as a long-term thing. Uh, So drop them in the YouTube comments. Any questions about absolutely anything in the world, drop them in the YouTube comments and we'll hit them as a mailbag question before we get to each player. All right. Why do I still have MJ over LeBron all time. So first of all, for those of you guys who don't know, and I've said this a million times on the show, I am a big LeBron fan. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. We don't have an NBA team here. The Suns did not do a good job marketing down to the Tucson area. So like most basketball fans coming out of Tucson, I'm a fan of players, really. And LeBron is a very important player to me growing up because I grew up in a house that was primarily focused on baseball and football. My little brother and both my brothers played college football. And my little brother was a great baseball player as well. That was just kind of what we were focused on, right? And then one day I happened to find LeBron James on television and that's how I fell in love with the game of basketball and it literally changed my life. So I have a sentimental attachment to LeBron James and my thing is like, I'm, I think it's better that I just tell you guys that and be honest about the way that that could potentially color my analysis and then just try like hell to fight against it as much as possible. That's the funny thing in all of it is LeBron fans hate me. And those of you guys who follow me on Twitter know this because like... I am critical of LeBron when he 
goes through stretches where he doesn't play to where he's capable of. I am critical of LeBron when he makes mistakes, just like I am with any other star. I talk about LeBron's career, the good and the bad, instead of just spewing propaganda like so many of his fans do. And so that approach really pisses off LeBron fans. And so a lot of LeBron fans don't like me, which is the kind of funny irony in all of that. Um, but you know, honestly, like I tend to think that everybody's biased. I think that anybody who tells you they're not biased is lying. I think everybody beyond sports and anything has a worldview and your worldview colors the way that you see situations. Right. But it goes even further with basketball, like even the, or anything in sports, any of the most prestigious analysts in all the sports, baseball, football, basketball, they all, even if they're good at hiding it, they have a certain view of the game and that colors the way that they evaluate players and teams. And so I, I don't really understand the point of trying to hide that. We all have our biases. I think it's better to kind of admit them and and try to fight them as best as possible and be kind of forthright about it than it is to try to pretend like you're this arbiter of truth in the wild where everyone else has takes and opinions and you're just only resonating in fact. I, I just don't think that that person really exists. And so I tend to, uh, to just lean into telling you guys exactly how I feel about stuff and and letting you guys judge it from there. You know what I mean? Now, I have MJ over LeBron all time because of the simple fact that while both players did dominate their peers, MJ dominated his peers to a greater extent, a significantly greater extent than LeBron James did. Comparing across eras is difficult. I've talked about this with you guys before. I talked about it with Magic and Steph yesterday. Like, I actually think Steph is a better basketball player than Magic Johnson was by some small amount. I actually think LeBron is a better basketball player than MJ was by some small amount. But the reality is, is I think basketball players are constantly getting better by a small amount every single year. I don't think it's fair to hold Magic and, and MJ to the same standard as LeBron James and Steph Curry, given the information and the technology that's available to them now. The, the difference in how a comfortable travel is for them in, in the planes that they take, the difference in the medical knowledge that's available to them now, the difference in just the way that we uh, approach a season in terms of taking care of our bodies, the the uh, the shot selection and understanding the analytical approach and how they can boost shot value. And all that data just wasn't really available to Magic and uh, Magic and MJ in their era. And so I don't think it's fair to, to, to compare that across eras. Same thing goes to the future. I don't think it's fair to compare LeBron and Steph apples to apples with players 20 years from now. It's going to be even more different when we get to that point. And so really to me, the best way to evaluate a player is to look at the way that player performed relative to his peers in his era and then stack that up with the way other players in other eras compa- competed against their peers and what they accomplished in their era. Here's the reality. MJ won six championships in eight years. No player in the history of basketball, has dominated the league the way he did during the 90s. He was so much better than everybody that it was insulting to even throw another name in the conversation alongside Michael Jordan. That's how much better he was than everybody. It was Michael Jordan on the top tier of stars, a gap, and then everyone else. Now, LeBron had a brief stretch like that. I'd argue in like 2012, 2013, 2014, that little two, three-year window, LeBron was unassailably the best player in the world, and there's clearly a gap between him and everyone else. But that gap closed. Guys like Kevin Durant and Steph Curry caught up with him, and then eventually Kawhi Leonard as well. And now, I personally think LeBron was definitely the best player in the league from 2012 to 2020. In that nine-year span, I thought he was the best. 
But that 2014, 2015 to 2020 stretch, it was close. You weren't saying LeBron was in a tier by himself. It was LeBron, Steph, KD. You know, LeBron, Steph, KD, Kawhi. LeBron, Steph, KD, Kawhi, Giannis. Whatever you wanted to look at there. He was on the same level as those guys, but probably a little bit better. It was a different level of dominance compared to what MJ did in the 90s. Just imagine, just just pretend for a second, like Nikola Jokic won the title again next year and won finals MVP, and then did it again, and then did it three of the following five years. We literally wouldn't know how to handle it. We'd probably be proclaiming him the GOAT before he even got to his fourth title, because we don't see that anymore. We don't see that level of dominance. There is no player that has risen above the other players the way that MJ did in the 90s. We haven't even seen a three-peat since the Lakers in the early 2000s. So, like, again, that level of dominance, I think it's glossed over a lot in these debates. It's not just, it's not just six titles to four. It's six titles in eight years. It's unassailable. There's nobody that could even remotely consider themselves on the same plane of existence as MJ over a decade. That's what sets him apart in terms of dominance, in my opinion. Now, can LeBron pass him? Yes. But I think he needs one more championship as a star-level player. So let's take a quick look at the resumes before we go any further. So finals MVPs, MJ6, LeBron 4. MVPs, LeBron, uh, or MJ5, LeBron 4. First team All-NBAs, MJ10, LeBron 13. Total All-NBAs, MJ11, LeBron 19. All-Defense selections, MJ9, LeBron 6. MJ won a Defensive Player of the Year award in 1988. LeBron never did. MJ has 10 scoring titles, but LeBron James is the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Now, to be clear, the longevity argument for LeBron is a strong argument. Like 19 All-NBA selections compared to 11 for MJ, that's a substantial gap. That's more than 70% more All-NBA quality seasons than MJ had. And then being the all-time leading scorer, that's a legitimate argument. Putting the ball in the basket more than anybody in NBA history and then also doing that in the postseason, that's a legit feather in his cap. I've also always said that LeBron has a variety argument. Those of you guys have been following the show for a while have heard me say this before, but like he led a Larry Hughes, Drew Gooden, Zydrunas Ogowskis team to the NBA Finals. Then he won 60 games twice with that Mo Williams, Delonte West, you know, uh, Antoine Jameson group, right? Then he wins two titles and makes four finals with the Miami Heat. Then he makes three finals and wins a title with Kevin, uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. Then Kyrie Irving gets traded and he leads them to the finals without Kyrie Irving with a completely different backcourt, right? Then he wins a championship with Anthony Davis and a group of role players in 2020, and he just made a conference finals with a completely different group of role players alongside him and Anthony Davis. There's an argument, like, we've also heard the phrase, like, Swiss Army Knife thrown around with LeBron. And it's true. He has a ton of variety in his game. He's a super versatile player that can fill a bunch of different roles. Like, he's just, he's operating as a major screen and roll threat right now for the Lakers. That was never anything that he did significantly earlier in his career. Like, he has a versatility to him that allows him to functionally change his role in any basketball team. That's a significant feather in his cap. Like, if I had to make a GOAT case for LeBron, this is what I would say. If you're in a vacuum starting a franchise and you can draft one player, arguably you'd want LeBron 
because you get more cracks at the table, right? 19 All-NBA quality seasons versus 11. And more versatility in what kinds of teams he can win with, as opposed to the MJ mold, where it's like basically two different archetypes of teams, right? Like the Horace Grant Bulls and then the Dennis Rodman Bulls. But the gist of it, though, is still triangle offense, MJ and Scotty, Phil Jackson is the coach, right? So there's a lot of similarities between those two areas, too. But again, that doesn't undercut the dominance. But if you had to make a case for LeBron, that's what you'd say. Like you're starting this team from scratch. You want the guy who has more se- more great seasons, And the guy that's capable of playing different ways because your franchise is going to change over the course of that existence. That's how I would make the case. But guess what? Basketball games don't take place in a vacuum. And you guys have heard me say this before. This is why I do my player rankings the way that I do. I don't think it's fair to undercut an accomplishment from another player based on hypotheticals and to hand accomplishments to another player based on hypotheticals. That's not why we play the games. We play the games so that we have a trophy. We have we play the games for the trophy for tangible results. And we can argue about plumbers and we can argue about the how much talent was on the Bulls and we can argue about dilution of talent with the league expanding in the 90s and we can say whatever we want. We can talk about Steph Curry and Kevin Durant teaming up. We can talk about all those things. But the reality is MJ three-peated twice and won six titles in eight years. And LeBron won four, which is really freaking good. Second best player of all time. There are two players in NBA history with four championships and four finals MVPs. It's LeBron and MJ. He deserves to be number two. And that longevity case is legit, and it makes up some of that gap. But in my opinion, not enough to make up for the utter dominance that MJ showed in the 90s. Now, if LeBron gets a fifth, let's say that they win the title this coming season, and he averages... 27-8-8 during the regular season and 26-9-8 during the playoffs. And he hoists the trophy. Now I'm like, I got a fifth title and I have all that longevity stuff. Now I think that gives LeBron the edge. And if LeBron wins another title as a fifth, I will personally view him as the greatest basketball player of all time. But I do think that we've greatly overlooked what was an incredibly dominant stretch of basketball by MJ in the 90s. Yes, there's propaganda. Yes, Nike has pushed a bunch of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of guys in the media that push MJ propaganda. You're absolutely right. And I push back on a lot of that stuff. The the whole, oh, he would have won in 95, but he was in baseball shape? No, bullshit. Bullshit, sorry. Like, he lost. He lost in 95. I, I'm there with you guys. I'm not, I, I push back on the propaganda too, but six and eight is six and eight. And, and, and that, that has to mean something in a league where the Larry OB is the whole reason why we do this. He won six of them in eight years. Again, I'd encourage you just to think about what you would do. Who's your favorite player? Is your favorite player Giannis? Is your favorite player Jokic? Is your favorite player Steph? Now imagine if Let's just use Giannis and Jokic as an example because they're actually young enough. Let's imagine that Jokic wins again next year in the following year and then wins three of the next five. What if Giannis won five of the next seven championships? How would you Giannis fans be talking about him? How would you Jokic fans be talking about him? That that I, I do think that, that it's almost like the further we've gotten away from that accomplishment, the it's like blurry or something and people can't really see what it is. It's freaking insane. He three beat twice. It's 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 unbelievable, and so I I I'm not in the business of trying to uh, to downplay that accomplishment. So again, 
I have MJ over LeBron for now. A fifth title would put him over the top for me. But I hope that gives you guys at least an explanation for why I stand where I stand on that issue. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, number nine, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Let's go with his accolades first. Best player on a championship team in 2021. Five-time first-team All-NBA. He's currently on a five-year streak, actually, in that department. Seven-time All-NBA overall. Five-time All-Defense. He won Defensive Player of the Year in 2020. Won regular season MVP back-to-back in 2019 and 2020. And he won the Finals MVP in 2021. Giannis's claim to fame, in my opinion, is that he's the most physically dominant perimeter player in NBA history. He led the NBA in restricted area makes this year, led it again last year. He was second to Zion in 2021, second to Zion in 2020. Then he led the league in 2019 again, led the league in 2018 again. So he's led the league in restricted area makes for the last six seasons. Then he was second to LeBron in 2017 and fourth in 2016. So basically what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight consecutive years in the top four in restricted area makes with four times finishing number one. He's easily the most physically dominant perimeter player in the NBA right now. He's also been top 10 in the league in rebounding five years in a row. Um, His archetype, the way I describe it is he's got the body of a super strong center with the agility of a wing. 6'11", tall, with a 7'3", wingspan. He's a good ball handler and a good passer. Those are his two greatest skills. Um, But make no mistake, Giannis is all about dominating games with his size, strength, and athleticism. Now, I know uh, we got guys like James Harden who said, like, all he does is run and dunk the basketball. That's obviously a gross oversimplification, but there is some truth to the simple fact that Giannis does rely on his physical tools more than probably any player in the NBA right now. But that doesn't matter. He has those physical tools. Again, we're talking about hypotheticals here. What if Giannis was shorter? He's not. What if Giannis was less athletic? He's not. 
He's that big and he's that athletic and he's going to play for the Bucks again next year and you have to find a way to deal with it. So like that, that uh, as we kind of come down to the reality of it, he is that big and strong and it is an important part of what helps the Bucks win basketball games. Now the key is and what separates Giannis from a lot of other great athletes because there are a lot of great athletes in the league that don't succeed in the NBA, right? Um, Giannis makes you feel every bit of his size, strength, and athleticism on every possession of every single game all through the 82 and through the entire playoff run. I want to walk through just to explain to you guys what I mean. Like, just how consistent his physical presence impacts basketball games. Let's start with the defensive end of the floor. So the Bucks position him in help, typically. So they'll have him guard the uh, the weak side corner so that he can be the low man. They want Brooke Lopez guarding in pick and roll. They want Giannis guarding the guy in the weak side corner because he's one of probably two players in the league, probably him and Anthony Davis are the only two guys in the league that can guard the guy in the corner and legitimately close out and block a shot there while always offering, like consistently offering that same help underneath the basket as the low man defending pick and roll three and two. It allows the coach to defend pick and roll three on two while not leaving anybody open because they can successfully make that closeout. So he's like a superhuman help defender um, on the weak side, right? He's also pretty good in pick and roll, though that's not his strength necessarily. And he's pretty good in uh, on perimeter defense against wings, although that's not his strength necessarily. But when it comes to the defensive end of the four, you're feeling him on every single possession. Then... We talked about rebounding top five or top 10 in the league five years in a row. He legitimately is going to get every contested rebound that comes his way because he's the biggest, strongest, best athlete on the floor, right? So he's helping you on defense. You're feeling him on defense. You're feeling him when he grabs a defensive rebound. Then what happens when he gets a defensive rebound? He immediately gets the rebound and just starts running it down your throat in transition every single time. He's consistently putting pressure on your defense. Giannis led the league in transition points uh, total transition points scored this year with 591. And then he led the league uh, the year before that. And then he led the league the year before that. And then he led the league the year before that. And then he led the league the year before that. It's been five years in a row that he's been number one in the entire NBA in transition points scored. And by the way, he was top four the two years before that. So transition buckets now make up almost a third of Giannis's offense. It's incredibly physically taxing on your defense to constantly have to get back and build a wall to stop Giannis. So I've been dealing with Giannis in help. I've been dealing with Giannis on the glass. I've been dealing with Giannis flying down the floor in transition. Now let's say you happen to stop that transition attack and force him to run a half-court set. Now you have to deal with that same Giannis onslaught in a half-court context. We talked about pick and rolls in our player rankings video. Giannis runs pick and rolls, four or five pick and rolls meaning the power forward in the center. So he's legitimately getting ahead of steam, and you have to have a bigger defender on Giannis because he's so damn big, right? And you're asking a big defender who's never navigated screens to navigate ball screens. So Giannis is consistently getting downhill and pick and roll. And Giannis was an extremely efficient pick and roll ball handler this year. ISO, same thing, head of steam, backing up, getting going at you at full speed. And trying to beat you to a spot. Post-ups. Giannis was 6th out of 20 players to attempt at least 200 post-ups this year in efficiency. Because he's just constantly trying to battering ram his way to the rim with his massive frame. Massive frame. He's got two big tricks that he uses when he's driving to the basket. Obviously, we talked. he's, he's a very good ball handler uh, for a person his size. And he's a very good passer. I wouldn't say he's like great at either, but he's very good at both. But he's got a couple of tricks. One is the chicken wing. I'm sure you guys have seen this, and I, I really noticed this for the first time in the Boston Celtics series last year. 
But like Giannis, like tries to take a. We talked about the attack foot with Dirk Nowitzki, right? So it, you got your defender who's got their feet set like this, right? If you can get your attack foot, so not your pivot foot, but the foot you're shooting forward. If you can get your attack foot past that defender's foot. Then you have an ability to leverage past him. Use your body to leverage past him. One of the things that Giannis does is he doesn't just get his foot past you. He grabs the ball like this and straight up extends his elbow out and tries to work his way past you almost like a crowbar. Like he Watch footage of Giannis getting buckets in that 2022 conference uh, semifinal series against the Celtics. He gets he gets that just that tiny bit of an angle and then he extends that elbow out and pulls him around. Then he takes long steps. This is the second trick. Giannis knows, not a great ball handler, and he's got to dribble into traffic a lot. He picks up his dribble early and takes long steps, whether that's Euro steps, long steps with the chicken wing like I was talking about, but he tries to cover as much ground as possible without having to actually dribble the basketball, which makes him that much harder to keep in front. And then here's the thing. Even if you happen to force a miss... He's averaging well over two offensive rebounds per game over the last six seasons. So he might just go back up and grab it and dunk it. And we've all seen that Giannis bulldoze possession where he misses, but he just beats everybody else off the floor for the second jump and then dunks that one. You build a wall and send multiple defenders at him, he's turned himself into a great passer as well. So the point is, is like in every single phase of a basketball game, from defense to rebounding to transition to half-court offense to trying to keep him off the offensive glass, to his passing ability, you are going to feel Giannis's size, strength, and athleticism on every single possession of every single game. And because his motor is so good, that, in my opinion, makes him the best regular season player in the NBA. I had someone ask uh, on Twitter a while back, like, what does that mean to be the best regular season player in the NBA? It's pretty simple. Um, players that rely heavily on effort and transition and struggle with half-court offense. And again, like, Giannis is a great half-court offensive player in the regular season, but he has had a history of struggling in the postseason, right, outside of the 2021 playoff run. So in that context, players like that tend to experience a little bit of a dip in effectiveness when they get to the postseason. You know, whereas like guys that are elite half-court players tend to experience an increase in effectiveness when they get to the postseason, right? Guys like Jokic and Luka are two examples right now. Guys that are super versatile, that their impact just goes up on that stage because they're great in the half-court offensively, right? So... To me, if it comes to an 82-game season, I don't want anybody but Giannis. He's the best in the league at that. Because on a night-in, night-out basis, when scouting isn't as big of a deal, and when effort does play a massive role in the outcome of every single game, having the seven-foot dude who plays harder than everybody and impacts every single phase of the game with his athleticism is the best regular season basketball player. His um, crowning achievement was the 2021 NBA championship. He gets revenge on Miami in a sweep to start the playoffs. Posts five consecutive 30-point games against the Nets, including a 40-point 13-rebound game in Game 7 to advance to the conference finals. The Hawks series was weird. He hyperextends his knee in Game 4 in a 2-2 series. They actually win the series without him. Then he goes for 40-plus three times in the Sun series, including a 50-point game in Game 6 to close him out. Perfect example of that wear and tear effect that I was talking about with Giannis. Again, he just is coming at you every single possession and eventually you just break. It's like, I use that shoulder effect, right? So like, or that, uh, I use the shoulder example. So, you know, uh, Giannis makes a hard dribble towards my right shoulder and I slide. And the first time I take it and I take that shoulder in the chest and, and it hurts, but I hold my ground. Then I do it again. Then I do it again. 
But what about like the fifth time? Like at what point am I going to give that ground, right? And let him go past me. That 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 kind of is the the wear and tear aspect of it. Same thing with boxing out, keeping him off the glass. You know, the, the, you're just eventually as the smaller athlete going to fatigue and he's going to start winning those battles. And that's exactly how that that series went. Like they held Giannis to 20 points in game 1. Then Giannis kind of got off in game 2. He got 42, but the Suns held on uh, held on for the win. Then the floodgates open in game three. Giannis goes for 41, and the Bucs win by 20. Game four was the crazy Giannis block at the rim. Remember, this was the, you know, I, I said Giannis is not as good defending in pick and roll as some of his peers, but it's ironic because his best highlight is defending in pick and roll or a variation of pick and roll. The Suns run a dribble handoff out of a horn set to get uh, Devin Booker downhill coming off of the right elbow. And on this play, Aiton's rolling hard to the rim. Giannis's responsibility is Aiton, but he has to step up to stop Devin Booker from taking a jump shot. Booker throws a beautiful hook pass, top of the square extended uh, for Aiton to catch. Aiton goes up and catches it. Giannis somehow turns and jumps off of one leg and blocks him at the rim. So we get the iconic play of Giannis's career in the defensive uh, uh, a block of Aiton at the rim to, to tie that series at two. Game five, after Drew Holiday steals the ball from Devin Booker, Giannis runs the lane in transition. Drew throws the lob. Chris Paul legit tries to, it was dirty, honestly, tries to shove Giannis out of midair, and Giannis still dunks the basketball because of how ridiculously athletic he is. And then in game six, he goes for 50. It goes 17 for 19 from the line. He finishes the finals averaging 35, 15, and 5 on 66% true shooting and leaves the season as the unassailable best player in the world. Biggest what if. This is going to be a future-based what if for Giannis based on the fact that he's so young. What if he ever develops some sort of over-the-top shot that he can make consistently? Now, like I said just a second ago, Giannis was definitively the best player in the world in 2021. He's not anymore. He's experienced a slight decline in his free-throw shooting and in his perimeter shot-making. He's starting to age a little bit more, like he turns 29 this year in December. I think you're starting to see that with some of the nagging injuries he's been dealing with, particularly with his knee. Uh, and most importantly, the other guys are getting better. Nikola Jokic is, has just just snatched that number one spot from him now. So in my opinion, it's 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 like, especially when you factor in the fact that Giannis is 29, going to be 29, it's only going to get easier and easier for teams to hang with Giannis's athleticism. There are going to be more and more guys that can consistently slide their feet and keep Giannis in front as he ages. And it's going to become more and more important for him to have something he can make over the top of the defense. Not to mention, I talked about this in uh, in the player rankings video, but don't forget the it's going to get harder. Like, you're how many how many times in the next five years are you going to get to face a team the quality of the Trey Young Hawks in the conference finals? You know, where where they were literally able to win the series with Giannis on the bench. Like they were two two when Giannis got hurt, and they won two straight without him. You know, obviously Trey Young got hurt in that series as well. But like the point is, is like even if Trey Young is healthy, that's not a typical conference finals team in this era anymore. Looking forward, that's going to be Tatum and Brown and Chris Ops Porzingis. That's going to be Jimmy Butler and and uh, Damian Lillard and Bam Adebayo, right? Like there, you're. That's going to be some ridiculously good team coming out of that conference that you're going to have to beat in the conference finals. Even in the NBA finals. That was the Suns team with Devin Booker as their best player. I don't think he's a top 10 player right now. I have him at number 12. Chances are that's going to be Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets again. It's going to be LeBron and AD and a Lakers team with Austin Reeves, right? That's going to be Kevin Durant with Devin Booker and 
uh, uh, Bradley Beal. Just a much better version of the 2021 Suns. That could be Kawhi and Paul George. That could be that. Like it could like that. It could be the Warriors. Like you're gonna face a tougher team in the conference finals and finals moving forward than Giannis got to face in 2021. Doesn't undercut the championship. Legit bona fide championship. You guys know how I feel about that. But let's acknowledge the reality that next time it's probably gonna be a little harder. And so Giannis does need to get a little better. And in my opinion, it can't be the jump shot. He's too far away. We talked about this in the player rankings video. He shot 31% on jumpers this year, 27.5% on threes and 35.6% on twos. He's not close to being a good jump shooter. He needs like three or four years at least to to become a good jump shooter. And there's a decent chance, a better than 50% chance that he just never becomes a good jump shooter. But he can become a good hook shooter. He can develop a nice little hook shot in the lane. He's got the, the physical tools to get it off against anybody. It's easier on his legs because he doesn't have to barrel into the lane. Like he can play with his back to the basket and, and work more methodically. I think it's a better move for his passing ability too because of how good he is at throwing those rifle passes with his right hand. I think he needs to just work on a, a legit, reliable, you know, drop step into the lane hook shot. And if he does so, but I mean, let's just face it as the what if. What if Giannis adds a legit hook shot to his game? Then he addresses his biggest weakness, which is half-court scoring in the playoffs, which further accentuates what he's already good at, and that gives him his best chance to compete with Jokic in the coming years. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. We will be back with number eight tomorrow. Don't forget to drop some mailbag questions in the YouTube comments, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.